Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture this Palm Sunday is from Matthew's Gospel. I'll be reading from the 26th chapter, verses 14 through 27. Then one of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I betray him to you? They paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man. Say to him, the teacher teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed, began to say to one another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. The artist Rubens has a famous painting of the Jewish warrior hero, Uh, Judas Maccabeus. In in the painting, Judas stands calm with his chest out in the middle of this raging combat. All around in the painting, there are battle victims and heads on spears and death and dying and anguish. But right in the middle, there's Judas, all stoic and regal-looking, glistening metal breastplate, long flowing red robe, The title of the painting is The Triumph of Judas Maccabeus, and he does look triumphant and heroic. About 130 years before the birth of Jesus, this war hero led a revolt against the Seleucid Empire. The Greek Empire had taken over the Jewish temple. They defiled the temple with images of for worshiping their Greek gods. 
So Judas led a historic revolt on behalf of the people of Israel. He organized guerrilla forces to overtake the slow and plodding Seleucid army. Then after the battle victory, Judas and the Maccabeans rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. It was like a parade, Judas out front on his war horse. The gathering crowd came and they put palm branches in the road and they shouted, Hosanna. And then Judas went into the temple and led the process to make that temple ritually clean again, restoring the worship of Yahweh to the holy temple. And now every December, the Jewish community celebrates the festival of Hanukkah, commemorating the day that this Savior, this Messiah, overthrew the oppressive government and restored Israel. Now later, in, in the Jesus era, the Israelites are subjects again. This time it's not Greece, but Rome. The Jews are under Roman rule, and they are hoping, praying for another Messiah, another Savior. Judas Maccabeus led a revolt more than a century ago, and now the people are waiting for a new Messiah, someone to liberate God's people and restore Israel one more time. And word has been spreading about a miracle worker from Galilee. He speaks as one with authority. He heals the sick. He restores sight to the blind. Even the wind obeys his command. They're whispering and hoping that this might be the one. So at the festival of the Passover... When the Jews from all over the region have come to Jerusalem and recreated that kind of uh, festival feel in the streets, all the buzz in the streets is that this new warrior hero might be in their midst. Folks were looking in the crowded streets hoping to get some sighting of the one people were saying could be the new Messiah. And in this festival-like atmosphere, they recreated the triumphal entry of Judas Maccabeus. They put palm branches out on the road. They shouted, Hosanna. They waited for the Savior to ride in. They were waiting for this Savior who would come with a great display of might and regal glory. And Jesus turns the corner and galump, galump. He's riding a donkey. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus does not meet our expectations. It is sometimes really disturbing when Jesus does not conform to our image of how we think Jesus ought to behave. I've observed three different responses to people that people make when Jesus doesn't meet their expectations. Some people, some people just give up on Jesus altogether because the idea of who Jesus must be for them was greater than who Jesus actually is. 
So if Jesus doesn't conform to my ideas, then he must not be the Savior. I'll just give up. This happens to a lot of people during college. The rigorous academic study doesn't conform to the Jesus of Sunday school. So the 19-year-old just tosses the Jesus of Sunday school and says that she's enlightened. The second response that I've experienced when people, when Jesus doesn't meet expectations, is some people just remain so rigid in their ideology that they make Jesus conform, at least for them. They just distort and twist Jesus until he fits their notion of how Jesus ought to behave. You've heard me before Quote Anne Lamott saying, you can be sure you have created God in your own image if it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. That's a way of making Jesus fit your expectations. But the most mature response is to grow in understanding of the Christ who will not be defined by us. No doubt, some people in the streets of Jerusalem saw Jesus turn the corner. He's on the back of a donkey. He was not what they expected. And they said, I told you that wasn't going to be the Messiah. And they went on to something else. And I'm sure there were probably some others who just made it fit their narrative. They probably said, boy, that must be some mean warrior donkey that guy's riding. I bet he's a killer. But some embraced the mystery and asked, what kind of Messiah comes with no sword and doesn't ride a war stallion? And how, how will he defeat evil if not by violence? If Jesus does not meet my expectations, then how do my expectations need to change. Craig McMahon is the university minister at Mercer University. Craig is one of those, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's exceptionally healthy and fit. He's whip smart. He's an exceptional preacher. If he were not such a really nice guy, he would be really easy to hate. But last year at the trustee meeting at Mercer, he told this wonderful story uh, during a devotional. Craig was out running in his neighborhood. Of course, he would be out running in his neighborhood. But he said he's not usually a garbage voyeur, but he couldn't help but to notice that there was a box of trash on the curb during his run, and he slowed down and looked, and there was an old lamp that there was an old sewing machine, but in the middle of all this debris was a picture of Jesus. That's what caught him. He said it was the one that so many of us are familiar with, the brown-toned picture that Craig said makes Jesus look like a California Caucasian surfer dude, but it was disturbing. Why would somebody throw Jesus away? Was there disillusionment? Did Jesus not meet somebody's expectations? 
whatever the decision, Jesus was about to be head, hauled off to the landfill. Craig's gut reaction was just like mine when I heard him telling the story. Something just pinched. Something, there's just something not right about that. Jesus in the trash bin. But the more he thought about it, the more he realized that they were not necessarily throwing away Jesus, just an image of him. Now that the image no longer fit, maybe it was not a shame at all. And now I'm quoting from Dr. McMahon's devotional. Maybe it was actually something very brave and honest and even good. Isn't it how we grow up? We have an image of how things are, and then life and learning shows us the flaws, the gaps, the inaccuracies of the image. So we take it down and replace it with something more true to life. I don't know what this troubling pandemic is doing to your faith, to your image of God. You may be one of the ones who's really getting pinched in this crisis, experiencing a health crisis or a financial crisis because of this virus. It also might be challenging your current image of Jesus. You might be one of the ones trying to figure out right now in all of this, what do we do with Jesus when he doesn't meet our expectations? Well, as I mentioned, we really have three choices. You can abandon the faith altogether because Jesus didn't meet your hopes. Or make Jesus contort into the current understanding or we can grow in faith. Dr. McMahon said, this is how we grow up. We do not make Jesus conform to our image. We take down old images and replace with something more true to life. The Israelites had an image of who the Messiah must be. The Messiah must be a brawny warrior who holds a sword and defeats the enemy with violence. But the Messiah was even more than they could have hoped. Even better than their image. The Messiah rode a donkey and defeats the enemy with love. The disciples had to change their image as well. You remember there was a time when they were arguing with one another about who would sit on the right hand, who would sit on the left hand of Jesus. When Jesus comes into power, I want to be there. I want to get my piece of the power. They had an image of who the Messiah must be too. And on the night before the crucifixion, Jesus gathered with them in an upper room. And he upended their expectations too. Jesus announces that one of them will betray him. He declares that the end is near. And then he takes a loaf of bread and pronounces that it's his body broken. 
He lifts a cup and invites them to drink the cup of suffering. This is not what Messiah was supposed to look like. And Jesus, once again, is not meeting expectations. But if we have the faith to not abandon Jesus when he does not meet our expectations, and if we have the resolve to not have Jesus conform to our image, if instead we have the courage to discard the old images in favor of a more mature, more lifelike version of Christ, we might actually be surprised at how small our original image was in the first place. You see, the best Israel could hope for was a warrior who would save the Israelites from Roman rule by violence. What they got was a Savior who would save all people from any oppression by love. If we meet Jesus on his terms and not our terms, we too might be surprised by the size of his salvation. So when the disciples came to the upper room that week and saw Jesus, he wasn't polishing a sword. He was sitting at a table. And the scripture tells us that he took the bread there with his disciples. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that in like manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And then the next day, surprising everybody, upending every expectation, he went to a cross to show that love is the most powerful force in the universe and modeled for us what love looks like. We're gathered in homes. I'm here. We all have our elements in front of us. Let's partake together of the elements. This is the bread of life. This is the cup of salvation. Let us pray. O God, open wide our sails to your spirit. that we might not define you in our lives, but let your love increasingly grow and define us. 
surprise us, give us something unexpected, show us new ways that your love is bigger than we even imagined when we came. And break our bodies for the sake of that love, that we might be agents of healing, ambassadors of your grace, in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.